Welcome to the most must-hear podcast. Welcome to Off the Job. I'm your host, Tony, and alongside we have Zach and Scott. I, I can't keep this up. This is I was trying to do a southern accent to start off the show, and it just went downhill real quick. There. Sounds like a female in distress. <laughs> Sounded terrible. Absolutely thank you. horrible. Thank you. All right, guys. We have here Chris Lewis, a.k.a. Pilot Chris. He is a close friend of me and Scott's. Um, given his intro name, he's obviously a pilot. He's part of National Fire Radio's family. He's a skilled crafter at making cornhole boards. Also a drone enthusiast, Call of Duty Warzone badass, and a career fireman in somewhere in New York that we cannot specify right now. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none, I uh, suppose, if you want to put that reference. And uh, man, that intro was uh, exhilarating. The uh, the music had me pumped, and then you came in there and uh, destroyed I don't, it. I, I don't think ruined you had it. Ruined accent, it. But you definitely sound amped. <laughs> all right. Listen, well, I, I started the show. I was like, I, I really want to do an accent. I don't know anyone that can do an accent. So I was like, let me try a southern accent, and I don't know if I hit it. Like, if you can rate my southern accent from a scale one to five, what would it be? I, I think you missed the mark completely, brother. I hate to tell you. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like a that was like a negative three. I was going to say like <laughs> negative forty-seven, but uh, th- thank you, thank you, Scott. I, I, you you were up there on the octaves, though. I will give you that. You were up there for the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I wanted to start out of one of two ways. Um, I'm just going to tell you, tell you this first. I'm wearing this shirt for the first time and it feels so itchy, like just completely. So like I had to take off my shirt earlier and make sure that there's no bugs on me because I fucking hate bugs. So the other, the other way I wanted to start this out, which I really told you about my shirt either way, was that Elon Musk can control monkeys and the planet is going to become full of apes and just run by apes like Planet of the Apes style, which blows my mind. I, I've read that article and just needed to get it out there to the world. Because <laughs> Chris all, Lewis is seen, a big tech guy. So we've all seen this movie. We've seen this movie before. I don't, I don't understand what he's doing here. What? Oh, plant, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. So they, so Chris, Scott, they put a chip inside a monkey's brain and wired it. So now this monkey knows how to play ping pong on a computer screen. Uh, mind blown i mean couldn't i they're fairly intelligent usually they can figure some of that stuff out like on their own without the uh the artificial intelligence there though so that uh that's taking it to a whole nother level i think i don't know this is some um uh what's that what's the terminator term skynet this is some skynet shit that's going on and i don't know what to do with this information it's just going around scott you're you're not a big technology person so what's are you shooting a monkey? Not currently. <laughs> Wait, oh, not supposed to say it like that. Whoops. <laughs> Listen, man. So the potential's there. The National Institute of Health does have a farm. It's a scientific research farm, and it does happen to be in my second do area. Um, interesting. And they. They have a lot of interesting animal things that go on, and to save us the headache of having, like, PETA go against the show and everyone else, not that we have anyone who listens to us from them, but uh, they do some interesting stuff, and 
Those monkeys are probably top-of-the-line monkeys that I don't want to mess with. Top-of-the-line monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so... I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them could outsmart me. So... <laughs> my, my question is, you know, we already use drones and shit for firefighting. Are, are we going to use monkeys? Are monkeys... Because <laughs> they already call us monkeys regardless. Like, what? I don't think you could say that. <laughs> no, 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 not not like that. Like they're, they're like, oh, a, like a monkey can can pump a hand line, you know, like a monkey can drive a fire truck. Like you, you've always heard that expression in the fire service. So I, I'm just saying, like, can monkeys? Can you train a monkey to put out a fire? For sure, you train them to do all kinds of other stuff. Yep. Would <laughs> Chris? So you're you're a drone guy. Yeah. So I just want to say, like. Would you be able to control a monkey using a remote and put it inside a burning building like a video game and extinguish a fire, like a room and content fire? <laughs> you're, you're crossing a different road there then, I think, because, uh, but, you know, when it becomes controllable, you know, now there's, uh, there's that boundary of living versus, you know, non-living. Um, and, and with, if I, I didn't happen to read or, or hear about this, this Elon article. So this, uh, is, is definitely an interesting thought to me. Um, but it, it's, it's obviously, uh, still a living being, but, uh, is just at, at, you know, somebody else is at the helm. That's a very <laughs> unusual, um, topic. I, I, I gotta know. go with Chris here though. I, I if you're going to. Install all this stuff to control a monkey. Why not just make a robot? We have those. Those are easy to figure out. Terminator happened. whoop de doo No big deal. That's okay. Monkeys are a different ballgame. <laughs> You're messing with them around. I don't know why we're experimenting with them then. You, you do that because a monkey has a brain, so you kind of make it do its own thing and let it do its own thing because it can handle that and you don't have to control it. A robot has our brain. Isn't this okay. kind of isn't this kind of like a, a robot a robot monkey since we're putting the chip in there and controlling it? So yeah. then you get both. That's living. It has a heartbeat. And I think that kind of defeats the uh, the purpose of of technology in a lot of these applications, right? It's it's the point that um, it it has different capabilities, different you know it it has computing power, and on top of that, we're able to do something with a device uh, or a piece of equipment that we cannot do or that. Uh, puts human life in danger, right? So, um, I, I mean, the application of drones, for example, uh, it's in theory safer to fly a drone for an aerial shoot than it would be to put somebody in a manned aircraft because of the inherent risks. I mean, if the drone crashes, uh, other than damage to property and potentially life on the ground, you're not risking the life in the aircraft. Uh, so when you start... Uh, putting the electronics in a living being, you, you defeat that purpose. I mean, uh, if, if you were to flip that role though, and you know, think about maybe uh, uh, the uh, movie iRobot, right? Uh, yeah. Will Smith. And now you start twisting that role of, well, a, a robot is now taking uh, human traits. It, it's, it's gaining a conscience, it's, it's being able to think for itself outside of its programmed uh, abilities, right? That's where things can really get squirrely it's, too. Yeah, that's scary. Now, <laughs> Chris makes Scott. a point though. So recently I listened to a podcast on the U2 spy plane, which is a spy plane that we have been using for almost 60 years. Now, the U2 is an incredible aircraft. Um, 
big stealth aircraft. And listening to the podcast, it was a whole bunch of pilots that operated and stuff like that. The weakest point of that aircraft is the human sitting inside it because we require food. We require bathrooms. We require this. We require that. If you took out that human, I mean, it, that thing barely needs gas because its wings are like 300 feet long. <laughs> no, Chris is going to correct me on this. But the wings are, I, I think they're like 110 feet or something like that. I, I don't think recall the fly. specifics on it. But, <laughs> we uh, are the yeah. weak point. <laughs> and, I mean, think about it. Uh, how, how many uh, redundancy systems do these these, these aircraft have? Uh, you know, it's we, humans aren't really built with redundancies. I mean, we've got two kidneys. So, like, to some degree, we have a little bit of redundancy. But we don't have another heart, you know? No. So, the whole idea of this... Um, monkey uh, situation that's going on with Elon Musk and Tesla is that they wanted to, you, you ever seen upload that show upload on uh, Amazon prime? I know we talked about it on podcast before, but um, Zach, Chris, have you guys seen it? They yeah. pretty much, What's they pretty the, much, what is it on again? Uh, Amazon prime. Chris, it was the one sh- that was yeah. shot at Mohawk mountain house. Mohawk. Oh, okay. So, yeah. The idea was after life, they put your brain inside this big computer and you're able to keep on living life like in a virtual reality world. So that's that's kind of the whole idea of what they're trying to get at, uh, what they're trying to produce is um, life after death. So like, I, I don't know if that changes circumstances or whatnot, but it's, it's, it's freaky to get into and we don't have to really get into it, but that's a so whole nother world. Getting deep here. Right off the bat here at off the Yeah. Track. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. The thought of living in a virtual reality world. Um, There's morality questions with, there. With the caveat of that of, uh, you know, essentially immortality, right? Like, I, I mean, what what is there after death? You know, if, if, if you believe in God or believe in a heaven, you know, you, you have that thought of, of that yeah. life after death. But uh, what's that in a technological world? Is it that virtual reality, you know, concept is that's a, a mind blowing thought to really even. Uh, <laughs> if I could fight a house fire every single time after death in the virtual reality simulator and like replicate it exactly <laughs> how I want it, send it. Full send on that on that simulator. Put my mind in a computer. I've got so a when, when, you, level two is. when you talk about that, I think like the Matrix, and I don't want to be like that though. That shit looked like it sucked. Yeah. So and, not and the that world thought, that they lived, not the the virtual reality that they were in, but the the real world looked like it blew, even though they weren't self aware of that. But still, right. Uh, that that that's an interesting thought too the the idea of self awareness and you know I, I'm beginning to like kind of process some of this and how like I would consider uh, life in a virtual reality world maybe not ideal because you're missing some of those important aspects of life uh, in terms of things like you know physical touch right you know contact yeah that's uh, true things like that but if, that's if, if you're not aware you know you, you Zach mentioned self awareness if you're not aware of that then how do you really know? Like it's, it's, it's almost the possibilities are endless in a sense of existence. If you don't know what existence is or should be. Yeah. And it's, it's a definite, like it's a definite that, you know, that you're going to keep 
living or your your mental space is going to keep living in in that regard but i, I don't know i i think i would want to die I, like maybe possibly. i don't know if i could i don't know if i could live in my own mind and my own mind only because it's a pretty messed up place yeah. sometimes and <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i can do it with myself only <laughs> not to mention there's mental de- degradation that goes around and stuff like that like that's true you think about that aspect right yeah <laughs> right. i know they upload they upload like your memories not the tissues so it's different but i don't trust it <laughs> it's, it's definitely bizarre all right guys mo- moving on we're gonna do things a little bit different today um or this episode um since chris is on we're gonna get into debate the internet so chris we're gonna ask some random fucking questions and <laughs> this is probably the one that you were worried about and you're gonna answer them as best as you can it's not this or that um, but every, everyone can jump in and see what you're doing. Uh, the first question is, I got a little bit of a pilot theme going on here, flying theme. So uh, which group is worse, the people who clap during a movie or the people who clap when an airplane lands? Oh, man. Oh, airplane um, lands, hands yes. down. Airplane <laughs> lands, hands down. I, I have to agree with that one. Uh, I, I, I've only flown commercial a handful of times, um, but – I guess it's a different perspective though, right? Like for me, I'm looking at in the sense that like, I, I would, I would uh, compare it to like, you know, um, a crowd clapping that, you know, the firefighters successfully put out a fire. Uh, it's, it's not a surprise. It's not like it, they did their job. And, and to me, like that's an expectation. So uh, I, I don't really feel that it's something uh, that deserves a round of applause. Uh, you know, some people out there are really uh, skittish when it comes to flying. So I think, I think a clap is just a spontaneous outburst of their emotions where it's like, oh, okay, we're safe. Like, we're good. And that's that's their way of uh, <laughs> letting that out. So I think uh, that's but, fair. But still, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's like you said, that, like, that's what's supposed to happen. Like, you know, there, there, there's a funny, uh, like, Daniel Tosh joke that uh, I just heard the other day where, you know, was, you know he's still a thing. It, it was his old stuff, but it came up on my Pandora. But nonetheless, <laughs> hey, wait, time out. Can we just can we just take a minute to say that Zach said Pandora like that? That's still relevant. <laughs> I, I I, man, I, I haven't seen anything Tosh Point O related in a long time. But his joke was, you know, the people when uh was it Sully Sullivan, whatever his name was, crashed the plane into the Hudson. Yeah. Instead of people clapping, what they say, boo? Like, they go, boo. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan of flying, but I would never think of clapping, but, you know, if I landed. so Yeah. Scott, have, have you ever had? I, well, I mean, the plane's going to make it to the ground either way. It's just a matter of how it makes it to the ground. This this is true. So, uh, I'm, one, of the, uh, one, of the, one of the good sayings uh, that, that I recall is uh, – uh, a good landing is one that you can walk away from. A great <laughs> landing is one where you can still use the aircraft afterwards. So. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let's keep on going. All right. So next question, next question. Anyone can answer. Uh, would you rather be an awesome NFL kicker or an average NFL tight end? Ah, uh, Zach. Man. Oh, I'd do the kicker. I know. Easy. That's, that's like easy. fucking it's an easy question. 
One, exactly. Because you're not, you don't get hit a lot, so you're gonna have a long career. And if you're a really good kicker, that means you get, you probably have had, you know, awesome game-winning kicks. You've won Super Bowls and shit like that. So give me the kicker anytime. And you're probably getting paid like decent money to kick a football every couple times a game. That's what I mean. So I, I would relate that as on a fire ground. That's probably the drone worker right now working. <laughs> He's. <laughs> He has a very important job, and if he fucks it up, like, everyone's going to look at him in shame and say, why are we paying you? And if you do a great job, people are going to validate you. So I, I almost feel like I, 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 I'd be the average, uh, average tight end um, and versus, versus the, uh, you know, famous kicker. So uh, one, I guess, uh, being average, uh, there's room for improvement. Two, you know, you're not necessarily in the spotlight all the time. And coming from the guy who's usually behind the camera, <laughs> not in front of it, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, think I'd be missing out on uh, on the attention. So, <laughs> Scott, Scott, Scott's like, what's what's the NFL? No, 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 man. If I wanted to be a professional crybaby, I would have easily gone into politics. Dude, and you have every right NFL. to say that. You have every right to say that because, like, it, like, for example, I don't know. Everything. I don't know if you heard, like, Aaron Rodgers wants to be on a new team, but my dude is getting paid, like, what, $123 million? Like, I I am so um, glad that during the draft the other night at work, I was not the only person who just was, like, I walked into the kitchen, I saw what they were watching, I was like, this is the stupidest shit in the world. And they're like, why? And I'm like, these guys are being paid a shit ton of money to tell me how to politics. Amongst other things, they're all assholes. Fuck them. If I want to watch a sport, watch hockey or rugby. That that's why me and Chris were playing Call of Duty and and getting it, and we won. I, I thought I closed the door. He managed to find his way in. I don't know. No, you got a you got a chip in your brain, dude. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> I still I still haven't even downloaded that latest download. I just haven't had time, so I'm probably never going to play it again. If it's like twenty six thousand gigabytes, whatever it is. I should probably download that in the background. It's going to probably make me look like Zach. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's it's I uh, I don't know. We're Warzone elitist here. So we don't want <laughs> we don't want anyone thinking that we're a bunch of Joe schmoes. We always have the updates going, and we're always ready to battle. Listen, uh, part of me, part of me wants to toss Call of Duty to the side once Battlefield comes out and go back because we were I, we I were was talking about that loyal too. for a while. I have uh, I, I I was COD in the beginning uh, to start off, uh, and then uh, my buddy Doug turned me on to Bad Company Two. Shout out Doug, friend of the pod. Yep, yep. Battlefield Bad Company Two, uh, and I got really into that, and that's where uh, Battlefield really set itself apart from Call of Duty. Uh, and after I got to experience the Battlefield gameplay, uh, it was just a whole different world. I mean, when it came to realism. It, it blew Call of Duty out of the water. Uh, you know, in, in Battlefield, when you have a sniper up in a house that's just picking you off and you're getting frustrated with it, you get a tank, you get an RPG, and you level the building. Now you change the dynamic of the gameplay. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you, you really you, you change the map uh, and, and you force that player into a different style. So um, I had got hooked on, on Battlefield Stop playing Call of Duty. It was just like way too arcadey, uh, way too twitchy, um, and it wasn't enjoyable. I you know, got to the point where it wasn't enjoyable for me anymore. So I got hooked on Battlefield, and then, then, COVID hit, 
and Warzone dropped. So oh, yeah. there, that was like obviously the premier everyone. battle royale Every, everyone. style. Yeah, I, I mean, and and then I got kind of drawn back in. And I, I will say uh, they did uh, they did a pretty good job. Activision did a pretty good job with uh, with uh, Call of Duty uh, Warzone. Um, I don't have the disc that paid for Call of Duty. I only I only have it because it was free. I refuse to pay my pay money. Time out. For Call think, of Duty. Zach, I think we met someone that is just as cheap as you, <laughs> because because Chris does not pay any money. Toward Call of Duty and, Perfect. and Zach won't either. even pay any money for like Netflix. But I was just, I was the same way at Battlefield because I was a Call of Duty loyalist for a long time, and then they came yep. out with um, that futuristic bullshit that they tried to do. Yeah, like with the jetpacks and stuff, and I was like, "This is oh, dumb." Yeah. And that's when Star the base. Battlefield, uh, I think it was Battlefield One, the World War One came one came out. Yep, loved that game. That game was awesome. Yeah. And then the Warzone came out, so I switched it back over. But uh, part of me is like, you know what? Let's you know see what this next one has because they usually put some good work into it. Yeah, I, I was definitely interested more in uh, you know the uh, World War II era slash modern era type games. Uh, so once it started getting a little futuristic, like almost Halo esque, right? Um, that's kind of where I started to lose a little bit of interest as well. So I think like, don't you are you hating on Halo right now? No, I'm not hating on Halo. I just it's not. I mean, and I can't. I, I can't play it anyways because I'm a I'm a PlayStation guy. So that's that was, that's an Xbox exclusive, right? So. Um, all right, we're we're getting on an no, ultimate no, tangent right we now. Are. We're totally... I'm going to take my turn on this one, Tony. Okay, go, go for it. But you tried to dive down the Halo rabbit hole, so I mean, come on. But Call of Duty uh, constantly does this. Back and forth between, I think it's Triarch and Activision. Yeah, the Triarch yes. games blow. Yeah. All and the of them Activision have. always goes super realistic. And that's what 90% of the players want. I don't yeah. want to have to shoot someone 400 times, reload, and then get smacked in the face and somehow I'm the one that dies. <laughs> and like, Cold War had so much potential, but they decide to make it stupid and cartoonish and throw in a Narutuo character or whatever the fuck they call it. <laughs> you know, some kind of space run through the middle of the fucking game. Like, they're actually, in my personal opinion, like, Warzone was cool, and I liked where this plot was going with the possible nuke, and then they released Call of Duty Ghosts, and then they kind of let that design studio take over Warzone. And yeah, I think the, the, the new map's kind of nice. I, I'm not complaining about the new map at all, but, like, the, the video sequence is up. Like, Call of Duty Ghosts came out, and then zombies appeared on the map, and I was like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, we're going back in time now? And there's these cartoonish characters instead of like just wearing all black and stabbing people in the throat. They're like, <laughs> I'm gonna wear a dragon head and then sneak in and tiptoe and poke a guy in the eye and blow up his face. But I've been a Battlefield guy since 1942. That game was awesome. Well, you I don't remember game. how we got down this rabbit hole, but do we have another topic to It's, it's Santiago's <laughs> fault. You, I'm, you finished, I'm uh... finished. Give me a second, Zach. You got, you got your time. Give me my time. Oh, God, I, 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 I didn't mean to kick you off your soapbox there. If God. I had feelings, I'd give a shit. Um, Battlefield was awesome. The Battlefield 1 game, pretty cool. Tony's getting undressed for some reason. It's super weird. The shirt's uh, itchy. Yeah. Don't, and don't you wash your clothes before, like, before, when you get new clothes, you don't wash them before you wear them? No, nah, I'm such a shitbag. I'm the laziest <laughs> piece of shit you ever made. That would that would probably I, solve your problem. I, I put it I put it in a dryer 
for for like twenty minutes Not on the same on low heat. You gotta watch the same. Gotta watch. You gotta get all the loose like you know loose fibers and lint. Uh, now now we're getting into a whole other tangent. Whole other tangent. All right, so, listen, Chris Lewis, Facebook that he saw an eagle. He saw an eagle not too long ago. It's okay. You'll get over it. Facebook he, stalking, huh? Yes, yes. You you <clears throat> Facebook that you saw an eagle fly over um, a the walking walkway. path. Yep, the walkway. walkway. So I want to know if you were continuously getting attacked by eagles one at a time. How many could you kill before they before they got you? None. Couldn't do it. For for survival. Symbol of freedom. Uh, <laughs> for your for your dog's sake. Your dog is just getting pummeled and you want vengeance. I'm with Chris. Let's just man. say that they're they're just con- an unlimited supply. Unlimited Chris, supply man. of eagles. For country. Yeah, let the eagles take you. Take me okay, away. That, that's a beautiful fly, sign of man. freedom. If I go by eagle, then that's the way to go, I suppose. Fair enough. Not... So, like I said, the, the last battlefield was terrible. Okay? If you can go on your tangent, I'm going to keep going on mine. The last World War II battlefield was terrible. I downloaded it on, on PlayStation. I got super excited. I played it, and I was like, this game got awful. Battlefield 1 was good, though. So, I'm curious what Battlefield 6 is going to bring to the table. I, I, I hope, I hope they, uh, they are successful with that one. I, I, there was a handful of people that didn't like Battlefield 1. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was definitely a unique uh, twist because I don't recall very many Civil War, uh, you know, Civil War, or not Civil War, but World War One era uh, games out there. Uh, so it was definitely a, a different twist, um, you know, the, the war play. Um, but I do, like I said, I, I do enjoy the modern time. So hopefully uh, Battlefield can, you know, come back around and, and uh, I, although I, I did enjoy the uh, the two the World War Two era type stuff, it was cool flying a Corsair in game, man. It was. I, I really like that's badass. <laughs> it, the, and that's the hard part when you bring the jets into battlefield. You're sometimes going too fast to do strafing runs and stuff like that. So we'll see what it does. Yeah, and we can all play together because I know Warzone only limits us to four. So you know, once Battlefield is, we can just think about it. we can have like sixteen of us fucking. Firefighters, medics, police <laughs> officers, just playing. I, I feel like that's one of those things that, uh, you know, Battlefield had, I, I, I believe, the original squad play. I, I mean, oh, yeah. in, oh, in yeah. terms of that, uh, Call, of, Call of Duty was not a squad or team-oriented style game. That was uh, run fast, shoot fast, die fast. I mean, it was every man for himself, yeah, team deathmatch, you know, so... It was like the Band of Brothers back in the day, not Band of Brothers. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right, so Scott, am I allowed to move on to the next, the yeah. next, the last uh, question that we have here for debate the internet? I mean, you're allowed. It's just a matter of whether or not I'm going to follow with you or not. If you could be part of the crew from any TV show or movie, what would it be? Oh man, um, I feel they're going to take me back to. Uh, back to the aviation routes here uh and, and it's just it's top of mind now because i just mentioned corsair uh but uh, a tv show that I, I watched quite a bit when i was younger uh and and i have my my father to thank for my interest in aviation um but uh black sheep squadron um yeah yeah scott, scott just raised his hand in the air yep hey grandpa uh, was a world war ii fighter pilot i grew up watching that show it was awesome yep. 
There you go. Never even heard of it. Just uh, just a couple of badasses that fly Corsairs around, you know, during during uh, in the Pacific Theater or World War II. So um, it's just uh, you know, it's it's a a really cool show, um, especially for an aviation enthusiast. Um, And it's just a bunch of badass guys flying some badass birds and taking enemies out of the sky. You know, (laughs) I, I think the coolest part is the formation of that squadron. Was it was not a squadron on the books. It was a major that actually, in in real life, broke free from being part of the Flying Tigers in China. Came back and was just he managed to put together a squadron pretty much with stolen airplanes at the yeah. time. And pretty much and like, from the brink. <laughs> a, a group of misfits, right? Like basically the group of misfits, like the good flyers, the the awesome aviators, but the ones that didn't fit the rule book, you know. Uh, and, and he put them together because they're great pilots. Um, and, and he made something happen, like you said, off the books. And, and that's kind of, that's how the name came about is, you know, they're, they're the black sheep. They, they don't belong, but he, uh, he made them belong. Tony, no while these guys are uh, nerding out, do you have any idea what they're talking about? No idea what these guys are talking about. Right. Well, to make you feel good, because you're jokers. terrible. Uh, I'll say, oh, well, that's I'm, a good group too. That's a, that's a good group of guys. Uh, let's see. What would I? I'd have to do probably. Probably, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia or, or the Scrubs group. Oh, Scrubs! That's a great. Oh, one. I you're love always, Scrubs. You're always picking that for me, but I love Scrubs, man. Brown Bear. Yeah. Brown. Or maybe <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily be Morty, but if I could pal around with Rick from uh, Rick and Morty, that'd be pretty cool too. <laughs> you, oh. You'd probably die real quick. Oh no, man! You learn a lot of life lessons. <laughs> If you survive, wait, wait, you're getting your life lessons from Rick and Morty. <laughs> I'm so, man, Rick and Morty is pretty deep. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> don't, don't come back to, to our firehouse. To that, Tony, Morty has survived every adventure, and he's you know, I don't know, Morty. Listen, I feel like that every time I'm on the medic unit with you. Uh, wait, you're I, not- I just survived another shift with you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the right up into the morning. Very, very much. I, I could see you playing that like distressed, like stressed out role <laughs> of Morty. You know, just being like ah. all the time, all can't the time. keep up, like spazzing out, spazzing out at, the, at the hospital all the time. <laughs> um, goodness. All right, let's let's see where we're at here. Um, Chris, we're going to ask you a couple questions now. Get to know you a little bit. Sure. Scott's going to lead us off. Uh, go ahead, brother. Well, Chris, I'm going to start off with the one that we skipped, and it's what is your favorite airline? My favorite? So uh, um, I, I think my best experience so far was JetBlue. Um, I've only flown <laughs> a handful a handful of commercial. Um, but I, I know that they do, they do a lot for, uh, um, for veterans and stuff like that. So, um, I, I, that was, that was one of the more comfortable flights, uh, commercial flights that I've been on recently. So. I, I'm actually not even going to comment bad on JetBlue. I know Tony wants to, I think so far <laughs> my experience on Southwest has been phenomenal. Um, my experience with JetBlue has been slightly less than, but, um, Tony won a healthcare heroes award. Uh, Back at the start of the pandemic, because someone with uh, who happened to have red hair ended up nominating him, and he won two free tickets somewhere. And, <laughs> right uh, on. 
It was just on the return flight from where we were, where we were going, apparently the plane broke down. And unfortunately, I was really hoping we'd get on the broken plane because, you know, life's a gamble. But make it interesting. They decided to last for 12 hours. So there was a, uh, a short snapshot <laughs> of uh, hour number three, four, five, and six in the airport. Mm. So it was a good time. So I haven't flown too much. Southwest has always been good. Um, yeah, they're just consistent. That's why I like Southwest. Uh, yeah. Delta wasn't bad the time we flew to Georgia. Um, it was funny, though, because it was like a Delta flight, but it was piloted by like their step, you know, their stepsister air, you know, airline or whatever it was. And there were so few people on the plane. It was so light. They had to make people, they had to move people around so the plane could actually take off right. Oh, man. And people thought they were like kidding. People thought they were kidding. And the flight attendant came back on. She's like, no, seriously, like the pilot won't take take off until you like, you guys move (laughs) to the back. So people need more people in the back because there's not enough weight. Weight and balance. We were flying home, which was funny because. And the few times I've flown, every time we've had to taxi, like, you know, get on the runway, you, the plane would go, it would stop, it would turn, it would stop, turn, get on the runway, then take off. This pilot, pilot had a hot date or something because, man, he I, – I thought we were, like, drifting around the turn on the runway. He gunned it as fast as he could. We were up in the air, and we beat our time home for, our reg, like, our regular scheduled time home before the delay. So, huh. my man was hauling ass. You probably saw your ugly mug and was just like, I don't want this guy riding on my plane. I don't know, <laughs> but my man had somewhere to be. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, yeah. Scott, go ahead and ask the next one since I, I totally butchered the last one and missed that question. So You're good. Chris, I remember some of these days, and I do recall there being a mutual friend of all of ours who had a Ford Ranger with a blue light bar the size of the Ford Ranger. Now, that being said, how long have you been in the fire department? <laughs> oh, um, so I, um, I recall hanging out at the fire station, uh, Roosevelt, uh, when my, uh, my father was a member, uh, when I was like 12 years old. Uh, so I've been hanging around it for a while. Um, I joined Fairview's Explorer program, which uh, there's really not many like junior firefighter programs out there anymore. And it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, um, especially seeing the dwindling numbers in, in volunteerism. Um, you know, a lot of volunteer departments are struggling uh, just because nobody's, you know, the, the interest isn't there, the time isn't there. Um, and I think that was certainly a program that got interest early on and allowed for um, the, the, the men and women to move into that volunteer role um, and carry on. But so I, I joined the Explorer program with, with Fairview at 14. Um, I was there for a few years uh, and then I went over to Roosevelt uh, when I was, uh, I think, I think I was a year late. So I joined when I was 17 instead of 16, but just, you know, with stuff going on in life, uh, I wasn't able to make the move right away, uh, but I eventually did that. Uh, so we're talking, um, oh man, uh, like s- almost 16 years now. Um, I was fortunate enough to get hired uh, by a career department, uh, Fairview, um, at uh, in 2015. So I, I did the Explore program there, went to Roosevelt after a couple of years, 
and then went back to Fairview. Um, volunteered with Fairview for about a year or so uh, and was fortunate enough to get on, on the job there. And ironically enough, that's how, uh, that's how I know you guys. So I uh, spent a lot of time uh, volunteering at Fairview with, with Tony and Scott. Um, About to say, I thought you got hired before me. I guess not. <laughs> at February of 15, when, when did you go on? March 10th of, I want to say 2014. Yeah, so that, uh, that, that uh, discussion had actually popped up in, uh, in Ridley's podcast, which I was listening to. Um, because I know that there was, uh, that, that time frame where pretty much everybody, uh, was interviewing. So 14, uh, sounds like that year, uh, that I interviewed with you and Joe and, uh, and a couple others. Um, and, uh, Joe ended up getting hired that round. And then I was, uh, yeah. I was the following year. So. Cause Joe and I got hired around the same time. So. Right. Yeah. But we, we all came in together, um, volunteering, yeah. uh, Scott, Scott, Myself and Chris, like literally right after me, um, and it was, you know, it, it was such a fun time. Yeah, um, Can you imagine if Zach was there. Oh my god, <laughs> Zach! There was plenty was of people. There, so I don't even know what. There's plenty of people that need rides to the ambulance. We uh, we could have used. Oh, you, you would have loved it. Hey, I'm saying before before my before our time working together tony i actually why i volunteered we actually didn't have an ambulance so ambulance. i don't believe you it was fire He's just only such a such a marylander ambulance there's no such thing as fire only it was well i mean we i guess we ran first responder but we did not have an ambulance at all where i volunteered at that's it uh, all right oh, zach, zach you got the next question go for it bro all right so Sticking on uh, this whole flying thing, I guess, this whole right. wizardry, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it. What PFM. made you get into it? How'd you, you know, <laughs> what's that? PFM. Pure fucking magic. <laughs> but yeah, what, so what, what inspired you? What got you into flying? Was it your first plan, second plan, third plan? So... I think this goes, I mentioned uh, my father earlier um, and, uh, and some of his interest in aviation. I think that kind of uh, rolled off into me. You know, he, he was big on a lot of the, the World War II era aircraft type deal. So that's kind of where I got um, my interest from. Um, I, had, I was working a, a summer job. It was actually uh, Rita's, Rita's Italian Ice. I was scooping, uh, scooping yeah, Italian baby. Ice, man, uh, when I was 14, got my working papers, right? So it's like, got to make money. So uh, as soon as I can, I, I got a got a part time gig there and uh, was working, uh, and then that's that was a seasonal gig. So the winter time came around, and I'm like, I need money. So I was looking for something a little bit more permanent. And um, for my 16th birthday, my parents gifted me uh, in, an intro flight. Uh, so basically, it's like a one hour introductory lesson. Uh, you go up with an instructor, you fly around, they like take the controls. Uh, really awesome experience. So I was, was gifted that for my birthday. And while we were sitting at the airport, um, we're like, Hey, like, you know, do you guys have any job opportunities? You know, I always thought aircraft were cool. Um, so we asked them and, uh, they're like, you know, you mentioned it. Yeah, we do. We, we do have a, a position available. It's a line service, uh, technician. 
Um, and basically what that role was like an aircraft refueler, um, aircraft washing, you know, taking care of pilots and passenger, passengers when they come in. Uh, so filled out the application and was fortunate enough to get the job. Uh, that was with Richmore Aviation. Uh, so I was a line guy, just, you know, pumping gas in aircraft. You know, it seems kind of pretty simple and, and mundane, but I, I thought it was awesome because I was working with aircraft. You know, I got to see and do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the occasional celebrities, you know, we have uh, we have some celebrities that that live in like, uh, you know, Millbrook area. So um, once in a while, you'd, you'd see some famous people uh, got to take care of Ron White's plane. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, uh, Daryl from uh, from Hall and Oates got to take care of his aircraft, you know, so there, there's some some uh, unique opportunities. And, and me as, you know, like a basically a 16 year old uh managing private jets and stuff like that when they come in and out. I just, I thought that was awesome. Uh, so that's a lot, a lot way deeper than I was hoping. I hope you, I was hoping you were going to say, Oh, I watched airplane and I thought it was awesome. And now I want to fly planes. <laughs> no, no, it just, uh, it was, it was just an interest in, uh, you know, I'd always been interested in it and, uh, never really thought that I would be able to actually, uh, actually fly. So I worked for Richmore. Oh man, for like eight years, uh, got to the point eventually where I, I became a, a supervisor. Uh, so now I had a role where I was managing other line service technicians and things like that. Um, and basically got to the point where I saved up enough uh, money over time to be able to take license. And that was the cool thing about working for Richmore was there were also a flight school. Uh, so I was able to get my flight training with them. At that discounted rate. Not by much. It's not uh, <laughs> flying's not cheap, man. Uh, no, I know. That's what not... that's what Scott was telling me when he took his introductory flight, and I was like, I, I cannot afford to fly whatsoever. Yeah, I so, still want to do helicopters. Oh, helicopters are a whole other beast, man. It gets so so. Uh, the prices have gone up a little bit since, especially with the fluctuations of fuel costs and things like that. Uh, but I flew a Cessna 152 during my flight training. That at that time the aircraft was going for about ninety six an hour, and then you have Jeez. to pay for the instructor as well, which was fifty dollars an hour. So about one hundred fifty dollars an hour for flight time, uh, and the minimum amount of hours of flight time required to get your license is thirty five hours. I got my license in about forty two hours. So when all was said and done, you know, books, headsets, uh, flight time. I think I was in for about eight grand. Jeez. And that's just, that's just a fly on your own. And that's right. not and to fly commercial or anything or with people. That, oh, that, that, yeah, that gets to the piece of paper that says you can fly an aircraft. Uh, now, good luck and go find one to fly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so how do you do that now? Do you own like your own private? Do you, are you part of like a, I've heard there's like basically like a, it's a club organization group where you guys kind of like pay a mutual and just kind of, it's like a timeshare of an airplane, basically. That's, that's exactly it. Um, that, that's what I'm in now is a flying club. Uh, the club has three, uh, three aircraft. Um, so I, I joined them. I looked at renting because you can rent as well. Uh, but the, the cost just didn't make sense to rent. Um, it's a little bit of a discount to, uh, to join the club. Obviously there's an upfront equity investment 
um, you know, just in case you decide that you're not going to come back with the aircraft. <laughs> yeah. um, but like you said, it's pretty much just like a timeshare. Uh, there is a, a monthly membership fee that goes with it, but uh, the hourly flying costs are a little bit less. Um, I look, uh, the aircraft that I fly, 172 now, uh, is about $120 an hour with fuel. Uh, so that's not bad. When I was looking at some of the local places that rent, you were pretty much 120 or up an hour, and then you add in the fuel costs. So my fuel costs are included right now, which certainly helps. And just to clarify, that initial pilot's license, that's you can only fly by yourself and only when it's nice out in daytime. <laughs> pretty much. I, I, am, uh, <laughs> I am what you would call a fair weather flyer. Uh, that is uh, that is a VFR rating, uh, which is visual flight rules. Uh, so when you're talking about clouds or poor visibility, um, that's a whole different realm. That's instrument flying, and that's additional hours and hours of training on top of that, um, and probably as much, if not more, of the cost of what it cost me to get my private fixed wing single engine land. Uh, because obviously they get real complicated. So now if I wanted to do, uh, if I wanted to, to fly a tailwheel, uh, I have to get an endorsement, a sign-off, basically do some training and get a sign-off that says I can fly a tailwheel aircraft. I, I fly a tricycle gear aircraft. Uh, if I wanted to fly something with more than 200 horsepower and uh, retractable landing gear, I'd have to get additional training on top of that. So I'm, I'm about as basic uh, as it gets. Uh, I can fly with passengers uh, but not for hire. So if I want to take my friends flying, I have to either bear all the costs or we have to split it equally. As soon as you get into the realm of uh, somebody paying additional costs towards the flight, then it becomes a commercial flight. So, so and basically you are a high school student driving a 98 Honda Civic <laughs> and you're not allowed to drive anything better or use said car as an Uber. Well, you, uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> and you can only yeah. drive it between daytime hours. I don't know if Uber's gotten into it yet, it, it, or if it's a thing. You start Ubering uh, private aircraft flights. Uber, oh, I Uber thought you were going to say high school students make it cheaper because you're probably going to crash. <laughs> Uber Air, so yeah. Uber that, Air, there you go. That's, that's where, uh, that's where your, your commercial uh, aspect comes into play. Uh, at, I never really got, I was never really interested in getting paid to fly. You know, I was, I was always interested in the aircraft and flying, but I never really saw it as, as a career or a job. Uh, it's definitely expensive to become a pilot. Um, what happens is most oftentimes uh, you'll get your private pilot's license. Then from there, you have to get your instrument rating. Uh, then from there, you usually have to get your commercial license, which basically says that you're allowed to get paid to fly. And then because it's pretty expensive uh, to get to the point where you could fly a jet or for an airline or for a charter company or something like that, uh, what a lot of people do is they become a flight instructor and they'll spend years, a couple years uh, instructing, teaching other students to build hours, build time, um, and then, uh, and then they'll, they'll go on from there. Um, some of these flight programs like Ember-Riddle, they're great programs, but they're just really expensive. I mean, you're looking at probably 100 plus grand. Um, not, that that's, grand. Jesus. not that that's super different oh from, uh, from a four-year degree. I mean, look, look at that's some true. of the, these, these local colleges here. They're like 50 grand, you know, like Marist College, for example, is about 50 grand a year when you so, think about it. So 
Yeah, actually, I remember one time I did a I did a fly along with um, uh, the state police in Maryland. Oh, that's awesome! It was pretty cool. I I was actually friends with one of the, or I took a class once with one of the the flight medics and kept in contact with him. But uh, the the guy, you know, they have two pilots in a helicopter, and most of their pilots are past military, and they have a handful of them that were our private or went to school for it. And he told me it was right around that. This is for, you know, for his helicopter thing, but uh, it was still right around that same price tag, about a hundred thousand dollars, you know, to go to all the schooling and everything. It wasn't, it was like a couple of years. And I was like, geez, God, man. but if it's what he likes to do, then I guess it's worth it. You know? Yeah. It, it's definitely a complex process, especially because, you know, it, I mentioned, you know, these, these specific endorsements and, and uh, ratings and stuff like that, but it, it is, there's so many of them. You have to get a multi-engine rating, which says that you can fly an aircraft with more than one engine, you know? So, and then, then there's type ratings where, you know, specific aircraft, um, you know, you get type rated for a specific aircraft. So you could, you could in theory fly that aircraft, but you have to get type rated on that, that specific aircraft. Uh, so it's definitely a complex process. Um, and it, there's been talk about uh, a, sh- a shortage of pilots, uh, and I think that's definitely because you're, you, you mentioned the military flyers were, were starting to, to lose the numbers there of aviators that have military experience. And they're, they're definitely preferred because they are well-trained and have so many hours. I mean, you're talking like eight, 10,000 hours, uh, before they even get into an airline. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're looking at like 1500 hours, uh, is like the minimum uh, where a lot of like airlines will hire uh, for a pilot. So when you when you compare thousands of hours uh, from these 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 aviators that have military experience, it's just they're just a whole different animal, and we don't have the numbers of them that we used to. So much like you'll probably see a shortage with a lot of trades, uh, aviation's no different. So, Chris, are you saying Plan B could have been combat pilot? Oh, I would have loved to. I would have loved to. <laughs> uh, that was definitely one of my one of my options uh, before I I got into the career fire service. Uh, that was one of my routes. I went to a recruiter's office. Huh? What plane? Oh, I don't care. Just put me in. Put me in something. <laughs> if you if you put me in something to get me up in the air, I'd, I'd probably be content with it. Uh, Obviously, being a fighter pilot, being like probably one of the most badass things that you can do. <laughs> um, but what hindered me on that uh, was my eyesight. Uh, I wear contact lenses. Um, oh, I'm yeah. Pretty much like I, I'm pretty blind without without my contacts. You know, if we're sitting like six feet away, I could see a blurred outline of a body, but I I wouldn't be able to tell it was you, Tony. I you know so. It, uh, that, that, was, that was my biggest hindrance when it came to trying to become uh, an aviator in the, in, in the armed forces. So for, so, the, for the military, I've heard they have really strict uh, like, you know, requirements as far as vision. But for, I guess, private, it's not as uh, strict as far as uh, eyesight? Or, nope, or, nope. As, as long as it's, it's corrected, obviously, to yeah. 2020. Um, there, there is much concern there. Um, you have to take a medical, which is a little bit more involved than like a standard physical, but yeah. it's, it's close to the same thing. Um, and then uh, things get a little like medical wise, things get a little bit more comprehensive uh, as you get older, uh, just because there's more inherent risk with that. But um, 
Yeah, I was I was initially looking at that that route for getting into aviation because that was going to be the most uh, economical way for for me to fly. Uh, and but basically, I told that I got told that just on my eyesight alone, it probably wasn't going to happen. I kind of shot that dream right there. Fortunately, I was able to uh, to save up enough and was still able able to pursue that dream of flying, uh, but just not as uh, cheaply as, as yeah. if uh, Uncle Sam paid for it for me and paid me to do it. <laughs> so we ended up in the same situation because that is the exact reason I am not flying, um, hopefully private eventually, but because back when you and I are almost the same age, back when mm-hmm. we went through it, they did not allow Lasix or PRK or any kind of eye surgery that luckily enough now I have the ability to get, and I have, and have you thought about it? Just- um yeah, I, I have thought about it. I just, I, I, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with it right now. Um, and I just, I've been wearing contact lenses for so long that it's like, it's, it's not really an issue for me anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where my eyes have stopped changing. So my prescription hasn't changed. So it's just, you know, it's, it's just status quo. Um, one of the alternative routes that I was looking at and timing wise, it just didn't work out was, um, flying for the National Guard. Uh, so I had gotten, uh, I had heard that the National Guard wasn't quite as strict with the eyesight issues, um, especially if it can be corrected, you know, with contact lenses. Um, so I had begun looking into that route uh, and went down to, uh, to Newburgh, to the Air Force Base down there and uh, talked to somebody down there about possibly getting on and being an aviator with the, with the National Guard. Um, got to the point where I was studying for the test, um, for the officer's test, actually, um, because I had a bachelor's degree at the time. So uh, it would have just kind of streamlined the process of getting into getting into that left seat for me. Uh, and then I got hired by uh, Fairview. So that kind of put things on hold and on the back seat for me. And, you know, I don't miss it or I don't necessarily regret it uh, because I love what I do now. Uh, but, you know, it, it definitely sticks in my mind as uh, one of those what ifs, you know. Best job ever. Fly, I mean, flying a C-17 for the uh, 105th Airlift Wing wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad gig. Well, but I do they, think Tony has a question that actually chains straight into this. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about drones in the fire service and – are you using it during the incident or post-incident? Uh, I, I think drones have a place in the fire service. They're definitely a resource uh, that can be utilized, uh, to, especially to a tactical advantage when it comes to the fire ground. Um, much like anything else in the fire service, they're a tool in the toolbox, right? And there's a right time and place for it. Um, and then obviously it has to fit into the plan. You have to have the resources, the manpower to do it. Um, there are, are alternatives to that. Uh, for example, um, Pierce partnered with Photokite and they have a tether drone. So that provides a uh, option for departments that are manpower limited. It's a really cool piece of equipment. I mean, you can mount it into, into a drawer or like on the top of a cab and basically it's got a cord. It's not technically a drone because it's, it's not free flying. It's tied to a cable. It's got a power and data cable. Um, and it can go up to 150 feet on this tether and just sit there and hover. And you don't need a pilot to operate it. 
you got an iPad with it, you can, you know, swipe oh, on the iPad to turn it. That's so uh, sick. It just, it'll stay there and it will pretty much hover there for like 24 hours. Um, has thermal capabilities. So the application uh, is, is definitely there for drones. Uh, it's just a matter of when, where, and how. Um, they can obviously provide a broad overview of the fire ground. So from a command perspective, uh, being able to look at that incident as a whole and get that aerial image um, is definitely really helpful, especially for making tactical decisions. I mean, how often are we up in a bucket on those large warehouse type buildings where we're just lobbing water on the inside uh, because the roof's collapsed and, you know, you're just aiming water where you can. Uh, you have that type of incident, and now the commander can see all units around that building, can see where the hot spots are, uh, and just keep a, keep tabs on the incident as a whole. And with the data that's provided by thermal, it, you know it, it adds that that extra layer to it. Um, now, Chris, I, you're you're not you're not no Joe Smo when it comes to to drones, really. Like I, I know. I know you've partnered up with National Fire Radio yep. and you use drones during the training ground to help improve some kind of stuff and also for video content. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us how you, how you guys use that um, when doing your training seminars and your video content? Like you, you have familiarity with drones. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the drone thing tied into uh, the aviation thing, ironically enough. So um, photo and video was something that I kind of like had done and enjoyed in the past. Um, I first got into like really purchasing camera equipment, uh, when my father was racing dirt cars up at Accord Speedway. Uh, and that's when I was like, man, it'd be cool to have some cameras on here. So at that time they had like just come out with the hero two. So I bought three of them and like put them everywhere I could on the car, like just to get all sorts of different views and stuff. Um, and uh, so I, I had enjoyed photo and video prior to this. Got my pilot's license. Uh, and then the once drones started becoming uh, more available to consumer, the FAA obviously stepped in and started making regulations like, hey, we need to we need to regulate the airspace to make it and keep it safe for the manned aircraft, but also integrate drones because they are a valuable resource. So when they did that, they basically created part 107, which is a commercial remote pilot. So I mentioned commercial pilot before, which basically says you can fly for hire. This says that you can fly a drone for hire. So there's specific regulations and things that you need to follow, but it allows you to get paid to fly a drone. Having my part 61 license already, all I had to do because I had the knowledge of the airspace system of weather, all that, all I had to do was basically get an instructor to say, yep, he is a current pilot and I could also become a remote pilot. That's so awesome. And I had already had the drone at the time. So when the FAA came out with this regulation that said, you know, you have to have a license to get paid to fly a drone. I was like, Oh man, I can make some money off of this. How awesome. I'm tying flying together. I'm tying photo and video together and I can make some money off of it on the side. So I, uh, I got my remote, uh, my part 107 remote license um, and uh, created a small little business that I run on the side. Um, nothing crazy. It's, it's obviously not my main hustle, uh, but 
it's something that I have on the side that I do because I enjoy to do it. You know, fortunately I don't need that income to survive. So it's not, you know, it's, I, I'm not running rampant with it, but uh, when it's, it's for fun. Yeah. When opportunities come up, you know, I, I take advantage of them and, and I go out and fly the drone or, you know, take some images with the, with the cannon that I have on the ground or, you know, shoot some video. Um, and that's, that's how this kind of ties into national fire radio. So, uh, as I mentioned, listening to Rob's podcast, you know, talking about the, uh, the history there with Jeremy and Rob and Fairview, uh, that's kind of how I fell into this was I was working with Rob at the time, uh, and they had some, you know, as they were starting to grow, they had some bigger projects coming up and, uh, I guess Jeremy reached out to Rob and was like, Hey, do you know anybody that does like photo video stuff? We're going to need an extra cameraman. We're going to need, you know, some extra gear, some help with this and that. And Rob's like, yeah, I think I got the guy for you. So Pilot Rob- Chris. Rob reached out to me and and, and the rest is history. So uh, I I try to take advantage of, of being able to fly on, uh, you know, some local incidents, obviously with the permission of the uh, command staff. Um, So I know like a few times that I've, I've flown at incident incidents for Roosevelt uh, just to give them a a perspective and kind of help, help their efforts. Uh, And then it becomes a social media thing, you know, after that, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case is, uh, departments are using social media as, as their, you know, press release platforms. They're, they're showing what they're doing and how they're staying active in the community and, and all they're, they're illustrating all that goes into the job via social media. That's how, that's how they're staying connected. Um, and, and that's part of how this ties in into national fire radio, um, you know, Jeremy realized that today's firefighters, they're scrolling through Instagram, they're scrolling through Facebook, they're watching YouTube videos, they're learning about incidents and, you know, uh, those type of things through social media. They're not really, nobody's reading fire engineering anymore. You know, that paper media has kind of become lost, especially with today's generation of firefighters. And that's how he kind of came up with like bridging that gap. How do we how do we get today's generation of firefighters and uh, and capture them? Yeah, for and, sure. And social social media is the way. So because because they're already there, they're they're already on these platforms. They're scrolling through, and if you can put out content that's relevant to them on these platforms, and that's that's it. So fucking Gen Z, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Millennial, millennials for Ruin the way there is Yeah, they, they are. All right, so Chris. It seems like you're, uh, you know, really in the flying and everything like that. And then, you know, you, you obviously are on the job. Just like us. Uh, what do you do if you're feeling burnt out or you need a break from the job? Is flying your outlet or do you have something else you can get into as well? Oh, man, I have my hands in a little bit of, of everything. Um, obviously, some of this, uh, the photo video stuff that I do, um, as Tony had mentioned, the cornhole thing uh, that, you know, building cornhole boards or something that I just kind of like got into. It was like, Oh, like I, I'm just, uh, I, I suppose you could say artsy, you know, kind of crafty type of person, you know, as a kid, I loved playing with like connects and Legos and building stuff. So when it comes to that kind of thing, like I, I love creating stuff. So, um, I, I have to say that's probably, um, uh, one of my outlets is, you know, uh, those, those type of DIY type 
projects, um, you know, the photo editing, the video editing, which is a very, very involved and consuming process. Um, I definitely enjoy taking pictures and actually shooting video more than I do the post-production process because it is, it is very well involved uh, and is a stressor of its own. A um, few of the things that I, that I enjoy doing, um, and it's funny because it's still relative to flying, uh, is remote control. Uh, remote control aircraft was, was something that I, I really got into. It was another thing I, I did with my father, uh, you know, flying uh, remote control aircraft and, uh, and, you know, doing the RC cars and trucks. Um, so uh, I obviously have some of those things where, like, I can kind of, uh, you know, like building the cornhole boards, for example, is just one of those things where, you know, I go down in the garage and, and I'm working down in the shop and you just kind of, you know, you, you become – in tune with yourself and you just, you know, you get, you get fixated on a task and you're, you're just doing that. Right. Um, so that's kind of part of your, uh, part of your checkout. Um, Tony had mentioned playing, uh, playing Warzone. Uh, all the, video, all gaming, the time. video gaming is, is another one of uh, my outlets, suppose as stressful as that can get sometimes, uh, especially playing Warzone <laughs> and encountering hackers and things like that. Um, I, I enjoy playing video games. Um, I just, uh, I got a uh, wheel and pedal and shifter set up as well as a chair uh, recently uh, to basically create like a driving simulator for Gran Turismo. So Ooh, all doing, right, there you go. Doing, yeah, yeah. Doing some, some, uh, virtual racing kind of deal. Um, can you use that with SnowRunner? Uh, yes, you can. And I have, I have. Yeah. So that's, that definitely, uh, that definitely. <laughs> that's not a rabbit hole we're going to get down to because <laughs> uh, that game frustrates me and Scott beyond fucking everything else. The driving physics there are terrible, and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah, we're, so, we're not going to get into it, Chris. We're not going to get into it. Uh, <laughs> but, that, but yes. that burns me out. So so SnowRunner, for those of you that are unfamiliar, is basically like a, a trucking game, uh, and it involves like using a crane to load, load cargo onto a truck and then driving it. Um, but then your truck runs out of fuel, so now you have to get another truck to refuel it, and it can be a very tedious and time-consuming process, to say the least. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so th- those are a few things that, uh, that I do. Um, I, I obviously ha- I have a couple dogs, as you obviously noticed, uh, disrupted the, uh, the show a couple times here, um, uh, and, and listening to, to Rob's podcast that you guys did with him, uh, you know, you made mention of, of the dogs and a therapy dog in a firehouse. And I, I, I'll tell you what, there's something to be said about coming home uh, after a rough shift. And, and Sarah recently, uh, my fiance is an ICU nurse. So uh, she works overnights, which is, you know, just an overnight shift is Stressful. got its own stress, yeah. stressors as it is. Um, and, and she agrees with me. There's something to be said about coming home to those wagon tails, man, because no matter what kind of night you had, no matter how you're feeling, those animals are happy to see you. And they just, they, they have a way of kind of, you know, turning that around a little bit and uh, just, just making things a little bit better. Uh, so they certainly help, you know, just going and playing fetch with them in the yard, you know, take them for a walk, sitting with them on a couch. It doesn't matter. So. So Chris, you mentioned your dogs. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have a cat? Because if not, there was a stray wandering around behind you. <laughs> Did he make his way in? I think yeah. he left again, but I saw him earlier. He might, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> interesting story. 
uh, about this cat. Um, I, I grew up with, uh, with two adult cats. I didn't mind them. I enjoyed them. You know, they, uh, they were cool. Um, we fostered, uh, Ricky. So I have two dogs. Uh, the black lab mix, uh, is Ricky. And then the Husky mix that you saw was champ. Um, so both of them are rescues. Um, we rescued them. We obviously got, uh, Sarah and I got a house together, brought them here. Um, one night the dogs are out and they're going berserk around my truck. So like they're barking at it. Ricky's trying to crawl under it. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I eventually kind of draw the conclusion that like probably an animal or something out there, like a squirrel, rabbit, something got in the area of the truck, caught off guard by the dogs outside and like went and hid by the truck. So the next day comes around and we're actually getting ready to get the boys in the truck to drive and take them for a walk. And they're still going berserk around the truck. So I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know what, before I drive this thing, let me pop the hood and, you know, take a look under it, make sure that there's nothing, you know, making a nest or living in here. I pop the hood and there's a gray kitten sitting on top of the engine in my truck. So Sarah and I spent some time trying to fish this thing out. We get it out and it's, it's tiny. Like we, when we contacted the SPCA to, to see if this, this kitten had an owner, if it was lost, whatever the case was, we had to weigh the thing in grams because <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it, oh my. Yeah, it was tiny. It was tiny. So um, long story short, even though I kind of already made it long, uh, we ended up adopting this thing uh, because we felt that, you know, it was here. It found us for a reason. Um, my parents had a similar story with, with a, a cat that walked up on their back deck um while we're out rolling one night they ended up keeping so this thing found us and we just kind of like you know it found us for a reason uh so we're gonna keep it and um about a month or so into it living with us we started noticing some problems it just uh it wasn't eating right it had some gi symptoms and uh we took it to the vet and they're like oh you know it could be food related we're not really sure so we changed food gave them uh give him some supplement to help him get the nutrients that he needs and uh gets better for a couple weeks and then he starts to deteriorate again so we're like what the heck's going on so we go back to the vet and uh they run some more tests and the vet calls us up because this is in the peak of covid so like we couldn't even like we weren't even in the vet's office so we're sitting in the car waiting waiting to hear and the vet calls us up and it's like um it's it's not looking good uh, the cat has FIP, uh, feline infectious peritonitis. So the doc starts explaining to us what this is and, and come to find out it's like 95% mortality rate. So basically the vet's telling us this cat's probably going to die. <laughs> so we're like, um, well, crap, like <clears throat> what the heck, right? This sucks. What are our options? Like, what can we do? And the vet basically tells us that there's not much that he can do, um, but there is some success out there with uh, an off-market, black-market drug, um, which they obviously can't prescribe, but there are, there are resources out there to be able to get it. So <laughs> You're like a pirate now. Oh, dude, I'll tell you what. I, I mean, we're very thankful. So we were able to... Um, we, we did some research on the couple of options that were out there, even though they're not, you know, FDA approved for, 
for the animal treatment. Um, but it, it saved this cat's life. So we were able to get one of the, uh, one of the drugs, um, and it was an 84 day treatment period. And we not cheap either, (laughs) not cheap at all. Uh, between the drugs and the vet visits, we're looking about six grand right now to keep, oh to, my keep God, damn. to keep this cat alive. To keep this cat alive. Pilot Chris so, with a win. He's a he's a patriarch of cats. <laughs> so we uh, we get this cat on a on a treatment for eighty four days. Um, after week one signs were already good like he had already improved he's eating well gi symptoms have improved so we we had some good hope there um and uh he's doing much better right now we are in an 84 day observance period so basically we've got the tests and the blood work that says yes he's cured he's good now we're just kind of like you know spending a little bit of time and, and keep an eye on and make sure that it doesn't it doesn't come back uh, or it's not like in a, in a remission so Long story short, he is a cute cat. He's got thumbs. That's unusual. He looks cute, but he is an asshole. <laughs> My <laughs> curtains are destroyed. They're all torn up. He torments the dogs. Like, this cat is just an asshole. <laughs> These dogs almost ate we, him that one day. We, we love him, but man, is he a jerk. <laughs> I I, I have a cat. So I don't like cats. We, no. we we spend all this time and all this money to save this guy, and he is just a jerk. I, he's I mean he's got some personality on. He's full of energy. He's like really playful, but having thumbs, he's got extra claws, and it just makes it that much more difficult. You know. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well. All right, Chris. We're <laughs> we're gonna do a. <laughs> We're, we're going to do our promo here, our very first promo. So what I have to say about you guys is, do you guys like lacrosse? Is anyone here a lacrosse guy? Because I know the two people in this room Terrible right now. It, honestly. The, the two people in this room have to be big lacrosse lovers because they're from Maryland. And if Maryland has anything, they have crabs and they have lacrosse. So... <laughs> Hey, yeah, I got that treated. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a couple more things than that. <laughs> but I'm not talking about those crabs. I'm talking about Firehouse Lacrosse, a.k.a. Firehouse Lax, is more than just an Instagram account. Every time I see Firehouse Lax pop up on my feed, I get excited. Why do I get excited? Come on, ask me why do I get excited. Why do you get excited, Tony? Why do you get excited, Tony? Because they have motivational and nutritional aspects to help me get my ass in gear. They have T-shirts. They have hoodies. And you know what, Scott? What do they help benefit? Tell me. I know you know because you follow them. I have heard that Firehouse Lacks, they benefit the guns and hoses in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. For I can get down with guns and hoses. Yeah. Fallen first responders, please. And firefighters. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So Chris Chris over here, he knows a thing about guns and hoses as he was just in a charity organization, what, last year before COVID happened? Yeah, before before COVID hit, um, I, uh, I did uh, the softball tournament with guns and hoses and then uh, played on the uh, baseball team as well for the bravest of uh, the local – chapter of guns and hoses here um 
and uh, played a game at uh, Dutchess Stadium. So that was a, that was an awesome experience. Um, I, I played baseball when I was younger, so being able to get back into it and then on top of that for uh, for a good cause was was awesome. So. So now, instead of playing baseball, maybe next year when COVID comes down, you can tell your guys, hey, listen, I know this Instagram account that plays lacrosse. Let's play lacrosse so I can lay out some police officers. Because we all know, because we all know who's the real winners is the firemen. But anyways, go check out um, this Instagram account. They're pretty rad dudes. Um, that's fire underscore house underscore blacks on Instagram. I'm going to say it again for you. That's fire underscore house underscore blacks on Instagram. All right. Now we move into the topics, which is our final sailing. Geography. Chris Lewis. Oh, shit. <laughs> Geography, motherfucker. <laughs> no. No. Hey, Zach, you had a good one. I'll let you start off, and then I have two for him. All right, so this one, this one should two. be easy. Two, three. I got three. Chris Lewis. I'm tapping Chris Lewis in for at least one of them. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be much help, but um, this one should be easy. I hope. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's awesome. mine or not. Yeah. I'll news, give you newsflash, everyone. It's not going to be easy. I'll give you bonus credit if if you can get the extra part of it too. Name all of the continents in the world. Simple. All the continents in the world? All right, can I have a pen? Can I, can I get a pen real quick? I have a pen. I have a pen. Uh, just to know, I'm not cheating. Uh, blank piece of paper. You have North America. You have South America. You have uh-huh. Antarctica. You have um, Australia. You have um, Europe. Yeah. How many do I have more? I, I need two more. Is. How, did, how many do you have written down right now? I, I have North America, South America, Antarctica, Australia, Europe. Um, so I need two more. Is there seven? Well, actually, technically, there's a possible eighth, but uh, I'll give you seven. Okay. Um, is 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 Iceland one? <laughs> no. Wow. Wow. Is, is um, hang, hang These on. These are like here. two hang really on. big. Yes, I know the 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 Asian ones. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm missing that whole section. Oh boy! <laughs> what are what Mi- Middle East? <laughs> Is Middle East a continent? No. Because I'm wait. No. Can I? Can no. I? I'm gonna tag in Chris Lewis to help me with two additional ones. Wait, where are we at? No, the We're only at, thing Chris could tell you is if the Middle East is a continent. We have North America, South America, Antarctica, Australia, Europe. I need the one where Russia's in. Russia's in more than one. You, you're you're on you're on track, but no, no, Chris Lewis, we're tag teaming this together here. I got five yeah. sevens out of them. I, I know, but you're you're on track with it. You're not far off. You're. I think I, you're overthinking it. 
You, you literally said it. Russia. No. No. The Middle East. No. Asia. No. Asia. Asia. <laughs> Asia. Middle East is part of Asia. Asia. And uh, uh, what else are we got? The North fucking Pole? I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm spazzing in the last one year. A, it's, poss- a possible Tony, Africa. Africa. Oh, it's four Africa. A's. Africa. One, two, three. Do you not? You not have? A's. You not hit Africa? I missed I that one. I, I, I had that. I had that written down, but I missed that on you. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the help. <laughs> Thank you for for reeducating me and enlightening <laughs> me again. Because uh, I was honestly, I was able to name all of them once upon a time, but uh, um, America, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just like the other guys full throttle america all right you i think you've been spending too much time in verdansk assuming mm. that russia is a continent <laughs> yeah i should have just said verdansk <laughs> so, so speaking of russia tony tbilisi is the capital of what country tbilisi tbilisi russia i don't know you just said russia no not even close to russia i know that I don't know to, what the capital to, is, but I know the capital of Russia. To, so, to, to Blisi, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it shares a name with a U.S. state. Vegas. I, I don't know. What? Did you just say Vegas? Oh, Vegas? shit. Uh, Jesus. Nevada. You got to get easier with Vegas this. Vegas is a city. Yeah, you, you, have, you have to get way easier when it comes to these questions. Are listener... you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> yeah, no, I am not. <laughs> Listen, uh, the, we're going to lose the listeners on this because they're like, we don't want to hear this dumb motherfucker okay. talk at all. So, first of all, the answer to that is Georgia. My second question was going to be something much different, but New York is located in what state? New York. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. I'm, I'm pushing the button. All right. Can we move on from this treacherous topic? No, we have nine more. This yeah, this segment. Oh, okay. Um, did you guys go on on Stater recently and see this um, woman set her Maryland home on fire? It was pretty much like just what you would think of like Southern trailer people just like fighting on a porch and setting the house on fire. Like, did, did you guys get an opportunity to see that? Because I'm pretty I, sure you got you will. I, I saw did it not, pop up. I just I did not see that. Made it. She she lit a garbage can on fire, put it inside her house, put a lawn chair right outside, and just watch it go up in flames. That's uh that's that's on a that's, different level there. That, that's that's a, <laughs> that's a big arson job right there. Yeah, and, no, no doubt. No, so what, what's what's the backstory? I'm I'm okay. intrigued by the backstory. So, like, how did the uh, um the 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 lovely lady? that set the house on fire was uh, arguing with the boyfriend. And you can see in the video that the boyfriend threw her stuff outside of a window and was like, you need to leave. Then the mother came in and was like, yeah, you need to leave this, our fucking house. And she's like, no, I'm living here. And it all chaos went loose. So, so they went back inside and she lit this trash can on fire and just threw it in there and just watched it. So she, it, it's definitely a murder attempt for sure because she knew they were inside of there. 
Yeah. But um, it was a split level home, and uh, the firefighters came, and it was it was pretty lit. But uh, it was extinguished. Yep. But uh, at least it made the investigation super easy. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sounds, sounds like it. I know you said you don't have a soundboard, Tony, but I feel like this is where you'd uh, cue in some uh, Jerry Springer background noise, you know? <laughs> well, don't encourage it. We finally broke him of that. Please don't encourage it. Oh, Thank my you. goodness. No. Yeah, it, this show would be 90 extra minutes of noise. No, it's just with it. It's just with it. Oh, man. Um, let's see. What what else do we have here? We, we don't have too much, actually, for topics. Um, it's a weird time in sports right now. There's a whole bunch of sports happening. It's actually the very few times where you'll see hockey, where you'll see baseball, where you'll see the NFL and basketball happen all at the same time. So um, what? What? tell me, if you had to pick anything to pick right now that you're watching, what would it be in sports? I know, Scott, baseball. Easy, baseball. baseball. Uh, uh, gouging out my eyes with a spoon because that sounds so much better than watch those crybabies. <laughs> Scott, actually, for for a future guest, I personally I have for you that I have my eyes on. It's it's this guy or this league that wears all um, night armor and just starts hacking each other with fucking oh. <laughs> sword. So and actually, gonna, we could bring gonna, that back. We could bring that back. In fact. Jousting. We need to bring Jousting back. <laughs> Make yeah. one men. So um, I'm hoping to get him, but right now I kind of go with what's closer to playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Knicks. I don't know what, Chris, if you watch sports or not, but uh... um, I, I, I don't follow sports um, very closely. Um, I, I played both baseball and football when I was younger. I definitely enjoy watching football more than baseball. Uh, so if I if I had to pick, uh, it would probably be football to watch for me. Okay. Um, what what else? No, we have some future guests coming on here. Zach's been working on someone. Um, I finally confirmed something with someone. Um, we always have Chris Lewis here to thank uh, very much. Very appreciative. Last minute um, replacing someone that's had to step out. But none, none of the less, we are super thrilled that you came on the show. It's and we okay. Appreciate Chris it. is much more attractive. Much oh, more attractive. Less. Look at that. Come on, <laughs> smile. I, I want I a nice smile I'm from you. I, I'm, I'm probably not as exciting either. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that some of this is probably a little scattered brain, you know, between uh, bouncing around between flying and the fire service and war zone and battlefield. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure everybody's going to be a little like, what the hell are these guys talking about? But uh, I, I, that's why I mentioned, like, I, I probably won't want to live in my own brain because I am just like all over the place. <laughs> You're wearing a collared shirt. Now I just got off work as I showed up here. And I'm not even wearing pants right now. I wanted to be. I wanted to look presentable for you guys. Well, we're we're trying to get matching uniforms for off the job. So when we have prestigious guests as yourself, we can we can kind of look the part. <laughs> so I mean, you Zach, mean Call of you, Duty Prestige? <laughs> exactly, Prestige too. <laughs> um, Zach, tell tell us who you have lined up possibly in the future here, and then I'll go with mine. Well, I don't want to drop a name yet because. Uh, it's we not, have, it's not I haven't confirmed the exact date yet. We haven't confirmed the date yet, but uh, I would say, uh, if you could guess, I'll, I'll leave it to pretty much easy to guess. He's bald, 
He's funny. He's a paramedic and a firefighter in another jurisdiction. He makes really funny videos. Um, we're in discussions about trying to book an episode. So if you guys uh, can figure it out, awesome. There's definitely more information to come as we continue to talk to him. I know that one, and I am looking forward to that because that's going to be that's going to be awesome. <laughs> and uh, we we just booked. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be on each other's shows. Is uh, the selfie show? Um, two nurses, Tori and Sam, that pretty much promote what we're promoting is um, off the job you know, off the clock kind of stuff. So we're really excited to have them on and um, that's going to be coming up next month. So stay tuned for that. Um, what, what else we got going on, guys? To- it's getting warmer out, man. It was, uh, it was all shit yesterday. The Beautiful. Thankfully. thankfully yeah, go, go go book a vacation. Any Everyone, everyone and anyone, go book a vacation. You're burned out. invite us. Invite us. Yeah. Give us some uh, few beers. Working on it, man. I, I, I'll tell you what. Um, at, when when Sarah and I bought this house, we we lucked out with with what we ended up getting. But uh, I never would have imagined having a, you know owning a pool. Uh, but we have a pool with this house, and uh, that was a huge saving grace just for our our mental sanity. Uh, you know, come the peak of COVID, you know, last year. So obviously that everything hit in March, and then you know come. April, May, June time, like things were still closed, but the weather was nice. Having that was just a huge, huge plus for us because that was, that was our, our decompression, you know, going out and, you know, it wasn't crazy, but, you know, just, just to go sit out by the pool, soak up a little bit of sun and, and relax was, was a huge saver. And even, even during the peak of it, you know, we still had a few people over. Like I, I even, I even put a post up that was like, Hey, like, I get it. COVID's a concern right now. It's scary, but like, if if you need escape, if you need a break, come come to my house. Like, uh, we got an open door for you. We can socially distance out out in the backyard, out by the pool. You know, just relax, be separate, be safe, and just you know, kind of uh, recuperate a little bit. Because uh, I know at uh, at that time it was definitely taking its toll on a lot of people. So uh, I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to pool season this year too, because I, I don't know what it is, but this winter felt like a long one. <laughs> I don't know if it was because of COVID or whatever the case is, but this winter felt like it was just drawn out. And I am so ready for the warm weather. D- Dad bot season of 21. Dad bot Com- season. Coming to you. <laughs> Brought to you by beer. <laughs> um. Chris, so we, we um, before we wrap things up, um, we kind of want to give away Dr. Tanya Glenn's books, um, Smashing the Stigma. Uh, we have First Responder for Families. Oh, nice. Um, right here. And then we also have um, a few kids' books. Um, so that way, if, um, you know, you firefighters, police officers, military personnel, EMS organizations have kids out there and um, want them to know what you're going through uh, with a good illustration um, we have a giveaway coming out and we would love for you to, uh, pick out a, uh, mental health word for us. That way, if you're listening to the show and if you direct message us, we will send one right to you. Uh, we're going to make a post. If you, uh, comment someone's name, a friend, uh, like the post and then, um, direct message us, uh, Chris's special word of the day 
uh, we'll we'll send one to you. Uh, All right. The limited supply um, that we have. If I had to pick a word for that, um, it's it's going to be talk. Um, it's uh, you got to open up, you know, and 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 talk about things, uh, especially in this line of work. Um, I am very fortunate to uh, have a significant other that that gets it. Uh, she's not necessarily in the emergency response side of things here, um, but she's she's in hospital care. She's in the ICU. So when it comes to those scenarios that a lot of us don't like to talk about uh, because our significant others don't get it um, or might not be able to comprehend it, um, I, I'm very fortunate in that scenario because her and I are, be able, are, are able to talk about those things. When she has that, that shitty night at work, um, she's able to talk to me about it. And when I have that shitty night, I can open up and talk to her about it. Um, so I, I'm very fortunate in that sense that we have that openness. Um, I, and I know a lot of people, uh, unfortunately don't have that reciprocation, uh, just because it's, it's a line of work that's very unique, um, and very specific. And more often than not, uh, a lot of us are closed to discussing some of these things that bother us just because we don't, you know, we don't want to put it on somebody else. Uh, we don't want to put that burden on somebody else or because we're worried that um, they might not understand it. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you can't, you can't keep that bottled up, right? You, you got to talk about it. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with your, your significant other. Uh, it might be one of your buddies at the, at the table at the station. Um, it might be a relative. It might be mom or dad. It might be, you know, brother or sister, uh, it, it doesn't have to be a significant other, whatever the case is, uh, but find somebody that you can confide in and, uh, and talk about it, you know, op open up, just, uh, just get what you have to say out there, um, and, and start a discussion. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. Um, Tony Glenn smashing the stigma and that's what we have to do in order to, um, change and adapt and overcome the, the fire service here. Um, Chris, can we uh, promote anything of yours? I know you have the drone business going there. I know you have National Fire Radio going on. Um, is there anything that you would like to promote? Uh, just look right into your little camera hole right there <laughs> and uh, just say what, whatever you want to say. <laughs> uh, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I have uh, personally anything to, uh, to promote, um, but, but I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to promote you guys here on this one um, and uh, give a shout out to you guys. I, I mean, uh, I appreciate what you're doing here. It's really cool. Uh, just, you know, casual conversation uh, on the side off, off the job, you know, it, it's cool to have this discussion with you guys and, uh, and, and for me at least to catch up, you know, uh, knowing, yeah, you guys, oh, yeah. knowing you guys personally, it's really cool just to sit down and, uh, and have some suds and just kind of chit chat about miscellaneous stuff. So, uh, being that you guys aren't aren't here um, and local to me anymore, uh, we're obviously a little bit more distant. So uh, having this opportunity to catch up with you guys is uh, really cool. And uh, I think what you guys are doing here on this podcast with just kind of like random miscellaneous stuff off off the job, uh, but still tying in that that aspect of the fire service and, and nursing and police force and all that all that stuff, man, uh, it's it's really cool. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, I hope I can help contribute to uh, to growing the viewership for that uh, that casual decompression, so to speak. And for that, we we really do appreciate it. 
Um, lastly, off the job podcast, rate, subscribe, share, and message us. Because if you message us, we'll give you a sticker for free. For for, for Christ's sakes, just message, <laughs> just just message us. So with that, thank you so much, Chris Lewis, um, Scott. Any last words? Uh, being that being that Zach's uh, Zach had to depart early due to uh, due to his own thing, I won't give him any shit for it. Uh, Chris, would you like to uh, take it away and depart with us, my friend? Let's let's roll. All right. Chris, what's your name? Pilot Chris. I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm Tony. And this is Off the Job Podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, guys.